you know, but I think if you just, if you build in a desire to learn and a desire to create um, into kids, then that's really important. Welcome to the Two Cent Dad podcast, where we interview dads to discuss their journeys of intentional fatherhood while doing work they care about and living a life of purpose. I'm your host, Mike Sudik. Well, today on the podcast, we have a very special guest, uh, Nathan Barry, who um, has done many things. I wouldn't call him a serial entrepreneur, but that's probably what most people refer to him as. Um, he is an author, blogger, um, and founder of ConvertKit, which is an email marketing um, automation um, platform for bloggers and creators. Um, Nathan is father of two as well and built ConvertKit while being a you know, father of young kids. So that's why I wanted to have him on this podcast. Um, so he can share, you know, a little bit more about that journey and what it means to still, you know, be intentional in your role as a father while you're founding and growing a company. So welcome, Nathan. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. It's, it's a pleasure to have you. So I'm a ConvertKit customer for, for Tuesday Dads. So a very proud ConvertKit customer, just getting used to it. So sounds good. Well, Nathan, I, I'm curious. Maybe we could start out. What do you tell people that you do for a living that are people that are not in tech? Maybe you like at you know around Thanksgiving or something like that. You, you know, what do what do you tell people that you do for a living? Yeah, I go for either two answers. There are two variations on the same answer. I either say I own a software company, or if I'm going even more generic, I say I work in software. And uh, I'm not actually sure the distinction of when I – I think if there's going to be more of a conversation or someone's actually getting to know me or something, then I'll say I own a software company. But if it's just a conversation in Uber or something like that, then I'll just say, oh, I work in software. And if people ask more, then then I'll talk about like, yeah, I like to design software and you know, talk about my, my background as a user experience designer or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, just tier it based on your audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and their, their sophistication. Yeah, their, their sophistication level, basically. <laughs> um, so curious, though, because you're now you, – so you start a software company, and now you, you have like 40-some employees, I think. But walking back – 37. I mean, 37, okay. And so walking yeah. back, though, you started as, like you said, a designer, and then you got into mm-hmm. blogging. Then you were an author – and then you were, you know, I'm sure freelancing along the way too. And then, and then you started a software company. I mean, you had an app, you had your app, your iOS app as well too. So that story has probably yeah. changed. I, you know, as you've, as you talk to people, be curious, like, what do you tell your kids? I know your kids are pretty young. What are their ages? They, so I have two boys and they're seven and four. Um, yeah. Sometimes I wonder what they think that I do. Um, I try to talk to them about the business or I, I certainly, or like if my wife Hillary and I are talking about the business, then, uh, you know, I, I won't change what I'm saying in any way because the kids are there. So I'll just, you know, involve them in the conversation a little bit, which is always interesting when you're talking about money or something like that, you know, cause you think of their perspective of, you're talking about hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. <laughs> in revenue for some part of the business or something in there. Like, you know, my seven year old is starting to understand some of those numbers. So it's always, 
it's interesting, you know, he's like, okay, yeah, and if I do this and work, you know, do these chores and I get paid two dollars, okay, and you a hundred thousand. Interesting. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I can see him starting to do some of that math in his head. Um, but I think I just talk about owning a business and we haven't gotten into any specifics. I have taught them a little bit of web design and HTML, the very, very basics. That's awesome. Um, so it's been kind of fun, but we mostly, I, I mean, at this point, other than like those little interactions, they don't even really know how to use a computer. We right. don't really spend time on that. So, uh, yeah, you know, I work from home, so it's one of those things where I'm around a lot. But so they're probably like, "Why are you around all the time? And don't spend time with us more often." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, give me like eight to five in order to work on the business, and then I got I got tons of time, yeah. you know." But my four year old will knock on the door and be like, "Dad, will you do something with me?" And I'm like, "Well, first it's eleven in the morning, and <laughs> <laughs> you know." So I'm not. It, it'll be interesting maybe as they get older to hear what impression they have. Cause the other thing that I realized is, uh, I've been thinking about this. They're going to have very different ideas of the business over time because, uh, August, my youngest was six months old when I decided to focus on ConvertKit, hmm. uh, three, three years ago or so. So then your older four. would have been three, right? Three or four. Yeah. 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 I guess four years ago. Anyway, hard to keep track of time. <laughs> but um, yeah, four years ago, he would have, would have been six months old. And so like for both of them, they were super young when it was really the grinded out time of will this be successful or not. And so they're going to grow up in the the time period of the company being really successful. And so it would just be interesting of like, uh, what perspective they end up having. I, I'll be really curious. Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely true. Like, it's funny. So thinking about that, when you're like saying, hey, dad, can you do something with me? You know, knocking on the door. It's like, it's like, it's funny because you think they associate, our kids associate with like screens with like doing a game or doing like a show. And it's like, dad just sits and watches a screen, you know, like all day. <laughs> it's like, I, I was just thinking about that. I was like, I wonder if my kids think that, you know, I don't know. Right. <laughs> Wait, so if you, if you get to watch TV all day, can yeah. I watch TV all day? And it's like, uh, I don't watch TV. All day. Well, looks to me like you stand in front of a computer. Yeah. Why, why don't you want anyone to come in there and check on you? <laughs> and then probably at some point they come in and I have like a YouTube video up or something. And they're like, see, yeah. just watches YouTube all day. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, um, so curious, um, you, you know, you said your kids will grow up different perspective, you know, as the company has taken off and is now pretty successful mm -hmm. as opposed to like those first couple of years. Um, I wonder if you could kind of talk about maybe your background in that context, because, you know, I know when you guys did that promo video for the name change and everything, you talked about yeah. your background and your, you guys didn't have a lot of money or there was a lot of conflict around money in your, in your yeah. household. And maybe talk a little bit about that and then how has that shaped how maybe you and Hillary talked with your kids about money, especially because they're going to grow up pretty wealthy, you know, by well, a lot of standards. And how are you guys going to handle that, you know? Yeah. Um, so for me growing up, I come from a big family. Um, there's six of us kids. And where do you rank um, in that order? I'm fourth. Okay. Um, so I have two younger siblings. Um, 
and we were all homeschooled. Uh, my dad ran a Christian bookstore, and so it was supported by donations and um, all of that. And so there just wasn't really much money. Mm-hmm. Like looking back, there's, you know, some of the years that I went back and was able to either ask or or find some numbers as to you know, how much my family lived on. And it was usually about $25,000 a year. Um, oh, wow. Sometimes as much as 30. Um, and every, we had everything that we needed, but, um, you know, it was definitely like, I think I went out to eat more in like the first year that I went to college than I had like the previous, my entire life, <laughs> you know, <laughs> before that. Um, but, you know, money was always kind of that, that defining factor of things that my parents were stressed over or fighting over or uh, that kind of thing. It's just stressful when it's not there. You know, everyone's like money doesn't, uh, money doesn't bring you happiness. And it's like, yeah, but a l- lack of money can bring you a lot of uh, frustration. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, pretty early on, like even through all of that, my parents are very scrappy, capable people and really into learning and, and that kind of thing. So like my dad built the house that we grew up in. Um, my mom started a few different businesses. None of them were crazy successful or anything, but they would pay some of the bills and stuff like that. And they're just always reading and learning. And, um, so they instilled a lot of that in us. And so as a kid, I would go out to my dad's shop and, you know, I'd, I do woodworking projects and sell them around the neighborhood and things like that. Um, Would you say that was probably your first like foray into entrepreneurship? Was that the woodworking yeah, projects? Yeah, so. Yeah. And then we also had some friends who um, had. I grew up up in the mountains outside of Boise, um, and so in like this big sort of a subdivision, but all the houses are spread out throughout. You know, there's like 200 houses over. I don't know, however many thousand acres or something. Um, but some friends who lived up there had a pet sitting business. And when they moved from the mountains into town, they kind of gave that to us. And so that's the other thing that we would do is if you're going on a vacation, we'd charge you 10 bucks a day to come, you know, we'd ride our bikes over to your house and, you know, feed the cat, walk that's the dog, awesome. that kind of thing. And I thought so that you was- wouldn't. You wouldn't board them. You would just sit yeah. them at their house. Like you would go and check yeah. on them, feed them or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I think, what did we do? It was like 10 bucks if it was once a day and 15 for twice a day or so, something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was some tiered pricing in there. Uh, <laughs> but somewhere in high school, I'm trying to think when this would have been. High school, into, I guess early college, um, I just started learning about, okay, how do you – make money? How do you earn a living? I was into web design. And so I, at some point I came across Jason Freed talking about how making money is a skill, just like anything else, like playing the drums or whatever else. And you wouldn't sit down at a drum set and be like, why am I not great at this? Everyone would, <laughs> everyone would, would just make fun of you of like, uh, try working at it every day for five years. And then, you know, if you're not, impressed with your ability is like, then we'll listen to some complaining about how like you've put in the effort, but you don't have the results or whatever. Right. Um, but with making money, everyone's just like, I don't know. My first business didn't work. My first venture didn't work. And so we, when we talked about, Hey, it's just 
making money is a skill. You got to practice it. Then I was like, whoa, okay, this isn't chance. This is in my control. Then I'm going to get really, really good at making money. Um, and so that's, that's been, you know, business and uh, all that's been my thing. So the, the second part of your question was about how is it different that, like how did Hillary and I, like our attitudes towards money. Because um, I think that's important. I, I just want to interject because I feel like yeah. your story is not unique in some ways where you have someone that maybe what maybe came from a, a background that didn't have a lot of money and that was part of the motivation that said, hey, I want to start right. this. And then that gave them that drive. And then they're then obviously then if that's successful, they're faced with that kind of challenge and then their kids don't have that. So it's like, how do you instill that? Um, right. Primarily, like what I hear you say is like resourcefulness is like what your parents kind of taught you um, or instilled in yeah. you. Yeah. Yep. And so trying to carry that through is really important. Um, like a lot of people ask, they'll see me, you know, I'll post on Instagram like I, that I'm remodeling a part of our house or whatever. And, you know, and friends who are CEOs of other companies will post comments on Instagram or Facebook and be like, um, you know, you can pay people to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and other sarcastic comments like that. And it's like, well, that's part of what I'm trying to teach of like, Hey, no, if we need to, when we get a new dishwasher, like here, we pull out the old one, but yeah, we could pay $75 more and someone else would do it. You know, the delivery people would install the dishwasher, but like we can do that. You know, that's not a hard thing. Um, and so building things and, um, so we do a lot of that. Have you, one thing that, can, can I interrupt a second? Cause I actually just had Rob Walling on the podcast like recently. I haven't published it yet, but I feel like he's one that I've heard say about like uh, pricing your time and everything and, and hiring. Right. And so like, have you ever gotten into a debate with someone about this topic? Because I think it's really oh, important. Yes. I, yeah, I agree with you like 110%. I think like making your kids do those things that you could pay someone to do is really important. So like, tell me about maybe if you've gotten into a debate with someone over this. Oh, well, I, I mean, I often get into it of around cleaning the house or uh, lawn care or things like that, um, which some of it we do now hire people to do. Yeah. Um, but I just think there's a lot of value in doing the work. And with the level that ConvertKit's at, you know, I can make a case of like, oh, my time is worth some astronomical sum. And anything less than that, you know, if it costs me less than that, then I should be paying someone else to do it and I right. shouldn't do it. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do with my time? Like sit in front of this computer and strategize all the time? I mean, there's nothing at ConvertKit <laughs> that I'm even the best person to do anymore because there's we have better designers, better engineers, better project managers, like better writers, you know, better yeah. marketers. You know, and so it's like I get where you're going, you know, what all these people are saying, but it's just like, no, there's uh, – I didn't – I didn't uh, free up all of my time and build a successful company so that I could only work on the most optimal things. Yeah. Now, if I don't like something, you know, and I do it a, a few times, I'm like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. Like, I, I don't like lawn care. So, yeah, I'll hire that out, you know. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I learned about myself is that I, I like to build new things rather than maintaining older things. Mm-hmm. You know, so if it's like, Wait, 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 wait. This is coming from a guy that just bought a ghost town that's like 100 plus years old. <laughs> so, that sorry, is true. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, 
But that that feels like building new things. That, that's true. Right? Yeah, where, I'm, I'm just rallying. Whereas, sorry. like, yeah. <laughs> but mowing the lawn every week, it's just like whatever work I'm about to do. Yeah. Some people find it very meditative or or whatever. But I'm like, whatever work I'm about to do is going to be undone literally in seven days from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it will true. look like I had no impact on this seven days from now. People will be like, dude, you should mow your lawn. <laughs> you know. Whereas even if I like paint a room or build a wall or whatever else, and then I can be like, I did that. And it'll last for 10 years or something. Right. Uh, so that's why I couldn't get into like gardening or something. Cause the weeds would just grow the next day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the other difference that we're trying to instill is just talking about money. Yeah. And this is something it's no surprise to anyone who has followed me online because any number you could ever want to know is just available right there on the internet about my business. Like you can see ConvertKit's numbers updated in real time, the same dashboard that I look at, it's totally public for everyone. Um, but the problem that I ran into is I had no concept of like what a good salary would be or things like that. I knew hourly wages uh, and then, you know, of like, okay, yeah, $6 an hour, $8 an hour, that kind of thing. Oh, if someone's making 15 an hour, okay, that's really good. But I didn't have any concept of how to convert that into a salary. You know, the the simple double the number, add three zeros to yeah. go from an hourly wage to a salary um, or things like that. So when I had the opportunity to get to move from freelancing, you know, not long out of college into and I was offered a full time position, I had no idea how to like what would be a good salary, how to negotiate any of that. Um, and my, uh, girlfriend's dad at the time, I brought it up at a conversation, you know, some conversation and it was like, he kind of pulled me aside and was like, okay, here's how you do it. Here's, he gave me this short little book on salary negotiation. Um, and I probably would have happily accepted a $40,000 a year salary as a, as a designer then. And thanks to like following what he told me to do, uh, I started that job at, 60,000 a year, <laughs> which like a 50% increase is, is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and so there were th things like that of, you know, that I'm making sure to change of just, we talk about money, how much things cost. Um, it does get interesting when the numbers get ridiculous. Because there are times when I'm still like, okay, this is ridiculous. Like we ran a Black Friday promotion, um, and the amount of money, you know, it brought in an extra 1.8 million for the business. And so then you're like, okay, that's, I don't even know how to talk about that. That's that's yeah. ridiculous. Um, but then you know we do still talk about it, and we talk about how our finances are different than the business's finances. Yeah. And getting into, and making sure the kids are around for those conversations. Um, <laughs> I, that, it was funny cause I yeah. had the same conversation with my wife about our business. And then I was talking to my wife about like the revenue goals and my like seven year old heard it. And he was like, what you have that much money. And I was like, well, we don't have that much money. And he like, you could tell like it wasn't computing in his head, but right. to your point, it's like talking about that early and often, I think is a good idea. Yeah. And then just taxes and other things. I have a note here from the IRS for some reason they charged us $900 in fees, even though we overpaid, you know, and it's like, here's, it's like, it's talking about a million dollar tax payment and it's like, okay, but that's not us. That's the business. Yeah. 
you know, and so finding that. And look, hopefully they'll just grow up with a lot of that. The other thing is that we moved into um, the house we live in now is like it's a 3,000 square foot house, so it's big, you know, but it's not, you know, there are no pillars out front or mm-hmm. anything over the top like that. But then we live on five acres. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, we have goats and chickens and, you know, so our, our kids have very defined chores and, you know, you got to feed the goats when you come home from school in the afternoon. Yeah. So trying to, to balance that, uh, you know, how it's just how we handle it and we're kind of figuring it out as we go. But I mean, the, the feeding the goats is interesting because it's not, it kind of is like, it's a chore, but it's not just something that like he's, they're working towards to like make money, which kind of goes back yeah. to the whole like pay everyone else to do everything you don't want to do and just work on the business. It's like, no, this is part of just like, you just have to do these things and their duties and their chores. And, and if you're doing that too, if you know, that's also important too, I think, you know, yeah. it's like you're kind of part. So one them. along those lines, um, that I actually really like. Well, and I kind of disagree over this. Um, so it's fun to talk about. <laughs> but um, so on our little farm, we have a guest house. Mm-hmm. It's like 500 square feet. Uh, it was like a studio and I remodeled it to add an extra wall, um, turn it into a one bedroom. Uh, and so we rent that out on Airbnb. Now, on one hand, it is the world's least efficient use of time <laughs> because uh, this – like compared to ConvertKit, the revenue, there's just absolutely no comparison. Um, but on the other hand, I'm like, I can, it, I can average like 1200 to 1600 a month, uh, renting out this little guest house. It's basically no work for us. Um, we just have to clean it. And so, and it's so small that it's super easy to, you know, change out the sheets, towels. I have a great time doing it. Uh, my wife is like, really? Why? You know, she loves that we have it. Cause then, <laughs> Like when her sister comes back to visit from who lives in Thailand, you know, then they'll stay there for a month and which is great. But she's just like, there's no need to rent it out on Airbnb. Like too much. it's not worth the effort. Um, but I think it's still think of it in terms of wait, I can clean this place in 30 minutes and then yeah. over the weekend, I'm going to make 250 bucks off of the person staying there. Like, yeah, it's old, you know, and I just think it's fun. But one thing that I do with the boys is we, there's a bunch of chores that are just their chores and they don't get paid for doing that. Feeding the goats, emptying the dishwasher, you know, the basic, like, do you, you live here, do your part. Yeah. Things. You're part of this family. You will do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, we clean the guest house together. So I will go out to do it and I'll always ask the boys if they want to come. And sometimes they'll be like, no, but then plenty of other times they, they do. And so they've each kind of increased what they're able to do. You know, like my four-year-old can take out the trash and then put new trash bags in, you know, the waste baskets. And um, uh, if someone with pets stayed there, he'll get the little lint roller out and like <laughs> roll off the pillows. And um, but then they get paid for that. And so I know that it was a thirty-dollar cleaning fee, and so I'm paying them out of that. And so I'll be like, actually, you guys did like a quarter of the work. And so, you know, between yeah. the two of you, so here's here's a few dollars each. That's their favorite way to earn money. And so then they see, like, that's a little family business that's more tangible for them. Right, right. Um, and it's more, like, just realistic numbers as well. And it's, like, value-add work. Like, it's, like, they're actually, I mean, right. they're actually doing something and saying, hey, you're, there's an actual task I need to do, I need to get done. You've seen right. me do it. You can do it and make X dollars, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's something that we all can do together, and it's a nice break from time on the computer. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so you mentioned that you were homeschooled. Do you guys homeschool your kids, or be planning on it? Um, yeah, so we do a hybrid model right now. So there's a, a private school here in, in uh, I was going to say Boise. It's in Meridian. It's in one of the suburbs of Boise. Okay. Um, that uh, some friends or some family members, my sister-in-law has taught at for a long time. Um, and they spun off and did, now they do a two-day-a-week school with it as mm-hmm. well where it's um, homeschool three days a week and then in, in class with teachers two days a week. So it ends up being a really, I just think it's an efficient use of time. Yeah. Plenty of time, other adults telling your kids what to do, which is really, that's what my kids need. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, and time around other kids. But mm-hmm. then also it's only two days a week in school. and um, Yeah. And then the rest is homeschool, which is great. Did so. your... Um... Did your wife, was she homeschooled or she had, what was her experience with homeschooling? She was homeschooled as well. Okay. So yep. she kind of, that's because we, we have, we homeschool as well. And my wife was mm-hmm. up until high school and then I was for a few years. So I think that's pretty important. It's like if I was really passionate about it, but then I'm going to work, then she's going to handle the bulk right. of that. <laughs> Not work out well. <laughs> yeah. And so this has been a good model for us because um, it's homeschool with all the structure. And so yeah. you're not choosing the curriculum or, that kind of thing. Gotcha. And we're really, really big fans of the school. Yeah. I mean, it helps that our sister-in-law is the head of the whole, <laughs> the entire school, you know? So obviously we believe in the model and what she's doing there. Um, but yeah, I think there's maybe a hundred kids or 80, 80, 80 to a hundred kids in the whole school mm-hmm. across all the, I think they have like kindergarten through 10th grade or something. Yeah. Um, so it's been really good. I think if that wasn't available, then I would homeschool. But it, it, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, the other thing is then you have to really work to make sure they get the time in around other kids. Like looking back, I think about like, oh, my parents really put in a lot of effort to make sure that we were had other activities and had time around you know, other kids. Because if you don't do that, then – or if you're not intentional about it, then it's easy to, to lose that. And you guys do a lot of traveling too, though, right, with your kids. So it's like that's part of it, I, I feel like. You know, giving yeah, we haven't, done, we haven't done as much recently. Um, but when they were younger, we did a lot more. And we did things, you know, we spent a month in, in Thailand um, visiting family. But then also it was like, wait, that was two years ago. You yeah. know? And so it's like, what's, what's coming up? So we've kind of been uh, enjoying spending time at home, you know, on the farm, lots of projects. You know, we put a walking path around our whole property. And so, so they're just always involved in all of our, all of our projects. And I just want to instill like a mindset of making things and doing the work and learning new skills and, and all of that. So that's what I want to model a lot of is like, you know, there's a, a simple plumbing problem or whatever. And sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to call someone cause I <laughs> don't have time to deal with it right then. But then if I have time for it, then it's one of those things where we're going to be like, okay, I have no idea how to, how to do this. And we're going to shut off the water and dig in and figure out how to fix this leak. And you know, 
yeah. those kind of things so that they grow up thinking like, okay, we can, we can take on anything. Yeah. So, um, what, what, what else has, has kind of shaped your view and maybe your wife's view on how you guys are raising your kids? Like maybe any books or just kind of ideologies. I mean, obviously homeschool is one of those, um, because mm-hmm. you guys both had experience with that. Um, but can you speak to anything else that like maybe you could share the resources or just ways of thinking? I mean, you've, you already mentioned resourcefulness, um, kind of right. creation in, in physical, in physical space and digital space, but more physical space. Right. But. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it comes from, you know, there's a lot of things where like you, where you want to say like, Oh yeah, this is just how I am. And then you think back and you're like, no, 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 that's how I was raised mm-hmm. of like reading a ton and, um, like growing up, we would watch maybe a movie a week or something, but like we never watched TV in the Olympics. My parents would get out the antenna, put <laughs> it up on the t- you know, <laughs> and then it was like for however long we'd watch the Olympics. And like my older siblings would you know, like you know sneak downstairs to the basement and watch some other TV show, you know, <laughs> when the antenna was out for the Olympics. But then it'd go away for two more years. Um, so just my parents always modeling that constant learning. And so then we would go to the library and get like, let's get like five books. And my mom would be like, are you sure that's enough? We're not going to go back to the library for like two weeks. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, that's a good point. You know, and so I'd grab another book or two because we just read all the time. I think I read Lord of the Rings start to finish like five times by the time I was 11 or 12. Wow. Uh, because we just loved all all of that. So I don't know that there's too many other things, um, you know, but I think if you just, if you build in a desire to learn and a desire to create um, into kids, then that's really important. I guess the other thing that comes to mind, because I was thinking about it just now from the perspective of, okay, what drives me crazy about other people's kids and that's a good thing to think about because <laughs> then it's like okay what what are those like if i you know imagine our little family and i like sit back and like okay if i was looking at this objectively then what would drive me crazy about my own interactions with the kids but it's really a lack of consistency mm. that i find yeah. frustrating you know the, the parent who's like don't make me count to three i'm you know do this thing and i'm gonna have to, you know and then there's no consequence or whatever else and you're just teaching your kids that um, they don't actually have to believe you when you say, like, don't do this. Well, they're, in that way, it. they're consistent, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, consistently inconsistent. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that I, I really try to work on is yeah. um, of just saying, like, kind of calmly escalating consequences. Like, if they're having – we don't do this all the time, but if they're having a really – uh, particularly rough day or rough week where they're just throwing fits really easily or things like that. Um, then we'll just do like a, an escalating series of consequences. <laughs> so I'll get out a notepad, set it on the counter, write both of their names at kind of the top of a column, and then just do little um, like check marks for each consequence that they have. So if they, uh, I don't know, say something mean or hit each other or 
or disrespectful in some way, then like let's just have a really simple consequence that you know has no harm to it in any way of like okay go sit in the bathroom for one minute and we always choose the bathroom because it's probably the most boring room in the entire house (laughs) you know um or it's like go run around the house go run around the house one time yeah you know especially because that's an easy consequence to escalate yeah and so then they're like "Ah." you're like okay well go run around the house two times you know and they slam the door on the way out okay three times you know and, and it doesn't really it's an easy consequence. Yeah. They'll just mark those things off. And then as they get to uh, five consequences for the day, then that fifth one, instead of being something simple, will be something bigger of yeah. like, okay, now clean this thing or go. I don't know what else. Yeah. I always have trouble coming up with consequences. But then it will let them know, hey, but then if you get to 10 for the day, then we're not going to do this thing that you actually really want to do or right uh, something like that and then that way they can see it coming and it never goes from like a bunch of little things to you then getting totally exasperated and being like fine well you're not going to your friend's house this weekend yeah whatever. and you're like and then like everyone regrets that because yeah. then you're like actually if you don't go to your friend's house then that means that i don't have a quiet saturday morning <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> we all lose. Backfire, <laughs> but it, so. but it also removes it removes your emotion. That's what it sounds like. It removes it makes you more consistent because then that reaction sometimes isn't about necessarily their behavior, the severity of their behavior. It's about how maybe you had a bad say you had a bad night's sleep and you're on edge, and then they do something, you just snap. It's like okay, then you're being right. inconsistent, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, fun stuff. I would say so. One of the things that I feel like um, sounds like you guys do a good job about is the is the whole creation piece. But I think intentional boredom sometimes is something, or like creating spaces for the kids to be okay with kind of being bored. So this is one thing that me and my wife feel pretty strongly about is like things that annoy us about other other people's kids or just other ways people raise their kids is like they are always rushing to all these different things and then they're always like yeah. stimulated by all this stuff where kids can't really they, – they just can't be bored and just create the just themselves. So like our kids will just play and they'll play with like Legos or these like wooden like plank building things. And it's like when you're around some other kids, they're just like – they don't like look you in the eye and they're always like looking all around and like they, they just like throw the toys in a pile. Like if they come over like on a play date, they're just like t- – the toys are just like piled and it's like what are you doing? Like it, it just like – they can't be bored. I really think it is. Like they just don't know what to do. And I think that's even going to be more so like you see that in people too. Like it's like just in adults, you know, it's like that just right. willingness to be like bored and just be like, okay, that's going to, that's going to result in so many like creative things or, or whatever. But I think it's huge. Yeah. We talk about that of just saying like, Hey, it's not, it's not, they'll say like, you know, dad, I'm bored. And, and, and so then we'll talk about it, but also make sure they understand that it's not my responsibility to entertain them. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's important. It's an important distinction. Um, and so it's like, okay, we'll talk about what things you could do or that kind of thing. Um, they have no shortage of Legos to play with. So, you know, cause they inherited some from, uh, you know, aunts and uncles and all of that. So that they have plenty there. And, and so there, there's a lot of stuff that the, that they'll do, but I think that's important to just say, 
okay, great. What are you going to come up with? And we try to design our environment so that, you know, if they play outside, there's, there's lots of space and there's lots of interesting things. And so sometimes they'll just disappear and, and go play outside for a while. And it's great. Or like this last summer we got a trampoline and that's been another thing that they'll just disappear out onto the trampoline for a while. And, um, but yeah, having those things where, um, it's totally okay to be bored and it's, uh, yeah. Oh, the other thing that you were saying that reminded me of, of like the way, like talking to adults, you know, cause some kids can totally de- can do it really well and others can't. Yeah. Um, I saw this thread on Twitter a couple of days ago where someone was talking about homeschooling and there needs to be more businesses around homeschooling mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, which I totally agree with. And, and someone brought up in there how like homeschooling <laughs> is great and all, but from what they understand, you know, then the kids are, you know, antisocial and, <laughs> you know, don't build up these skills or whatever. And it's just the funniest thing to me because like, it's such a naive comment. Um, because you know the more time you spend being homeschooled or around other adults the more you just have a conversation um and the more you just interact like they're any other human and so my seven-year-old yesterday we had friends over so he's the oldest and then the you know there's his four-year-old brother and then there were two other kids who were four and two who were over and they all play together really well um but by the end of the evening, you know, all the adults are sitting in the living room talking and Oliver, my seven year old comes up and he sits down and he just wants to be a part of this conversation. And I remember that very distinctly as a kid of wanting to listen to and, and mostly listen because I was a pretty shy kid, but and talk to the adults, um, and how it's so different mm-hmm. because, you know, I never thought it was weird or, or difficult or anything like that to talk mm-hmm. to adults. And I remember this interaction, um, I think we were Target or Shopco or some, some store like that. And I remember asking my mom, do you know where something is? Probably toys of some kind. And she said, I don't know where that is, but that gentleman there works here. Why don't you ask him? And it took a little bit to, um, you know, cause I was shy, but I was like, okay, I want, you know, whatever this object was, I wanted it. So I walked over to him and I was probably 10 or 11. Um, and I go over to him and, and ask him, do you, do you know where this is? And he like gets down, hands on his knees, like crouches down and talks to me. He's like, and he's like, Oh yeah, the thing, you know, and he like talks to me in this kid kind of baby voice and like tells me where it is and all that. And I walk away. <laughs> like just feeling like what's that guy's deal <laughs> so i asked my mom because she's you know 20 feet away and has observed the whole interaction and she just says some people feel the need to talk to kids that way yeah and i just thought it was the strangest thing of yeah. like why wouldn't he talk to me exactly the same way that he would talk to my parents or talk to any other adult yeah um and because that was my entire life growing up of no there no one ever talked to us or treated us differently um, and so surprise, you know, when I was 15, I felt totally comfortable going to college talking, you know, all of these things because I, I was fairly, you know, well off socially because no one ever treated me like a kid. That's crazy. It's, and it's funny, like, where does that naive, like 
thinking about homeschooling being homeschoolers being antisocial come from. I don't I don't understand right. that. It's weird. <laughs> the thing though that's funny, like I me and my wife talk about this exact same thing you just talked about. That's not even unique to homeschool. Like they're not mutually exclusive. Like if, if you send right. your kids to to public school or wherever, like you, one thing was we always do is like if we ever got to eat, we have the kids order for themselves. Like that's a simple thing. Yeah. You're or like like your mom did, like asking for help. It's like they're gonna have to do this eventually. Like let's just do this. Right. But that, that has nothing to do with homeschool. That's just like helping your kids have interactions with adults, you know, treating them like adults. I think it's like a mutual respect thing, you know? Yeah. It's just, I yeah, I, I think that stuff is great. So, uh, hey, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, so what, what I'm saying is, or the other thing that, that sparked is another thing that we do with our kids is have them pay attention when we're driving um, to where we're going or whatever else. And so Oliver, when he first, when he was in kindergarten, and so he first started going to school, then we'd ask him, "Hey, where? Um, how do we get to school?" And he'd be like, "I don't know." You know, we like drive down some roads, and it's like, "Great!" So next time, just start paying attention. And then he would ask what roads and all that. Mm-hmm. And so now, if I ask him, actually, the other day, I was taking him to school, and I don't normally take him to school because uh, normally I'm working. Hillary normally takes him. And I was thinking about something and I got in the turn lane to make a left turn. And he's like, this is not where we turn. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're right. This is like one of the little streets. And like the actual light I need to turn at is, you know, a quarter mile up ahead. And so, you know, he points that out. But but now if you ask him, how do you go to school? He'd be like, okay, well, you know, we're going to turn on to Overland. Then we're going to turn right onto Eagle Road. And then we're going to drive down, you know, and then we're going to turn left. And he could tell you exactly the way all the way along. Um, because we told, you basically told him, pay attention, learn this thing. And now he always pays attention. Um, and like my four, my four year old, uh, you know, if we're going somewhere, he's like, dad, are we going to turn right or left? <laughs> you know, like kind of leaving the driveway of which, which way are we going to go? And so that just paying attention to those things and asking those questions and having them yeah. solve it on their own. And I think it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Hey, one thing I did want to hit on um, before we wrap up here is, you know, you had you had a blog post a while back uh, talking about just the process of growing ConvertKit um, mm-hmm. and just the struggle, some of the struggle that you went through with that, um, just it with the depression and stuff like that. And, you know, I think that's an important topic. That's part of the reason why I want to start this podcast is to have some like honest conversations around that, just around how you do, how you balance that, you know, and I think it was maybe David Cancel or or someone that I was interviewing says like, there's no such thing as balance. Like it's always out of whack. Like, and you just need to know which way you need to swing it. So like, okay, I've been working really hard. I need to swing it back to like having some intentional, you know, time with family. Maybe we need to travel or something. Um, I don't know if like you could speak a little bit to that period. And like, from a standpoint of like advice to give to someone that was maybe going through the same thing that you're going through and how they could kind of weather it out or, you know, swing it back to, you know, another, end of the spectrum or just a, an advice you could share. Cause that's, you know, that's, that's really what I'd like to, to get out of this is someone, if they're in that same spot mm-hmm. and they're listening to this is like, wow, that really helped, you know? So, yeah. Um, so after my second son was born, so four and a half years ago, um, I remember when all was going on then I just had, I, I had convert kit, but it was, like just a little side project and I wasn't spending much time on it, uh, at the time. And then we're selling books and courses 
worked really hard for three months and just had an amazing three months of the year to kick off, you know, the first quarter of the year. And then I was like, I was going to take a step back because, uh, August, my second son was going to be born. We had bought a house and we were going to start remodeling it. And I decided, yeah, I wanted to be the general contractor on the remodel. So I wasn't going to do the majority of the work, but I was going to be involved in the whole process, hire all the subs, all of that. Um, and through this process, it went really well at first. And then like it got harder and harder. But then at one point I woke up one day and realized like I had this rash down my leg. I was like, that's weird. Hmm. And I ignored it. And I was asking Hillary, like, did we change laundry detergent? Did we, I don't know, is there something going on? Yeah. Um, and, uh, like it, it kept spreading and I asked my brother about it cause he's a physician's assistant. So I just texted him and I was like, Hey, I have this rash on my leg. What, where do you go figuring out? And he goes, Oh, does it follow? He texted back. Does it follow a dermatological distribution? And I was like, what does that mean? He said, Google it. <laughs> and the gist of what it means is, does it follow the pattern that your nerves follow in your mm. body? And I was like, yeah, it does. He's like, you have shingles, go to the doctor. <laughs> um, and so like I go into the doctor and they're like, yeah, sure. You know, sure enough, you have shingles. Um, but then they were asking, is anything going on that would cause an increased amount of stress in your life? And so I kind of described my life and I said like, yeah, I have a two week old baby <laughs> that just stopped sleeping. Like first two weeks were super easy. And then after that, like both kids got sick and they were taking turns. <laughs> like each one would, they'd each sleep for a couple hours, but they'd alternate so that one would wake up every hour basically. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to try to, I don't know, be a hero dad and take on this whole thing. And <laughs> like just totally totally got stressed out and, and, uh, got really sick. Um, and leaving the doctor's office, they're like, okay, we'll prescribe you these antivirals and then, uh, you know, and also painkillers. And I was, I had so much to get done that I was like, take the antivirals for sure. That sounds great. Skip the painkillers. doesn't hurt that much. And they're like, you sure? And I was like, yeah, I don't like the way that the, you know, serious narcotics make me feel, you know, I don't like, like my head not being clear, that kind of thing. So they're like, okay, that's fine. By the end of the day, I was in so much pain that I called them back. And I was like, okay, I'll actually take the painkillers now. And, you know, can you call in that prescription? And they're like, oh, we already did. We called it in the moment you left. We just had, <laughs> we're like deciding, like we were just, you know, casually taking bets as to how long it would be before you called back. <laughs> Insisted on taking it. Um, so that was an interesting experience cause I basically went from being, I don't know, one of the most driven people I'd ever met, uh, mm. to then being in a bunch of pain, taking painkillers. Um, I learned something about myself that a I get a lot of my self-worth from what I accomplish. And so if the less I accomplish, the worse I feel about myself, which it's really, if you're feeling apathetic and depressed, it's really hard to accomplish much of anything. So it's like this vicious cycle that just continues. And so actually, um, about six months later was when I decided to double down and focus on ConvertKit. And like I was going and doing work and stuff like that, but not really getting much done. And I remember later... So I was talking to my wife about, should I shut down the other business and double down and focus on ConvertKit? 
And we had this whole discussion. She said, yep, absolutely, you should. Um, that sounds great. I'll support you 100%. You know, because we were like, what if all of this fails? And she's like, great, we'll sell our house, move in with my parents, you know, it'll be fine. And I was like, no, worst case, I'll get a job. Um, but she was totally, totally supportive. Uh, but about a year later, we were talking about that. And I, I brought it up again. And by this point, you know, ConvertK has gone from like $1,000 a month to like 100000 or 300000 a month. It's just been wildly successful. And I remember asking her, like, what, what made you so supportive then? And she just said, well, you know, I've always been supportive of your ventures, but you were so depressed and not, and like apathetic that I didn't know what else you would do. And I was hoping that in supporting you in this, that like it would go decently well and you would do something. Mm. Cause I had basically gotten to the point where the blog would make 10 grand a month or something without me really doing much of anything. Mm. Um, and so focusing on ConvertKit kind of got me out of that. Well, two things going to counseling. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that was probably the actual turning point. And then having, you know, convert it to work on it and grow, um, got me through that. But I think it's one of those things that, I mean, life is going to be continually hard. Uh, you know, there's, there's things even last week that came up, like my wife and I are trying to have another baby and at 10 weeks along, we went into an appointment and found out that there's no heartbeat anymore. Oh man! And so, sorry. You just, yeah, like that stuff is is just that's life. It's gonna yeah. keep happening, and it's uh, crushing when it happens. But then going through and and having some of those systems of like, okay, at for sure once a month, if not two or three times a month, going to counseling, and then having. Uh, those groups of friends to rely on. And and then just even having those things, I haven't gotten them out in a while, but I have the lists of like, okay, what makes a good day? What are the things that rejuvenate me and um, make for a good day? So that I'm like, if I'm feeling a couple days in a row of like, I don't have energy and, you know, lean towards feeling depressed, then it's like, okay, I'm going to grab my laptop. I'm going to go to my favorite coffee shop order a chai tea latte, you know, which I like. And I'm going to sit, you know, and have these things that I'm going to work on. I'm going to work on just something fun or, you know, I'm going to skip uh, an afternoon of work and instead go out to the, out to the shop and build something. And so just having those things that, uh, it's almost like creating those systems and tracking them about yourself yeah. and saying, what are the things that energize me and give me life and help me get through that? And then, I can't say it enough of counseling. It's just yeah. so important um, to uh, go through that. Why? Thanks for sharing all that. Um, why were you adverse? Were you adverse to counseling or opposed to counseling before that? Like, did it require that you got to that point, or like, like what could you say to someone that's like, ah, I don't need counseling. That's great, Nathan. <laughs> you obviously need counseling. I don't need it. You know. I mean, but I think it's a common thing on some level. You know, what what would you say to someone like that? Yeah. Um, I don't think I was adverse to it. It was just that, you know, you got to feel or felt like a problem had to get fairly significant before it was like, okay, I'm going to go to all the work to go find a counselor. You know, if I have like a favorite product that I love, I might tell people like, Oh, I don't know, this computer is great or Mm -hmm. these AirPods or I don't know what else. Mm -hmm. Um, people talk about them, but people don't often go around raving about like, Oh man, 
my counselor's the best. You should totally go to my counselor because they're really, really helpful. And so, um, yeah, I don't, it's just, it's a, it's a probably the most valuable product with the least, um, public reviews. If you think about it. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) And so, (laughs) you know, and more and more people are talking about it, which I think is great. But really, it came down to telling uh, one of my really good friends what was going on, and she was just like, "Hey, you gotta. Well, why don't you just try going to counseling? The person that I'm going to is great, you know." Yeah. But it took opening up to get to that point where someone said, "Hey, just give it a shot." Yeah. Um, so, do you? I know you're part of like mastermind groups in your industry, or people kind of you know tangential to your industry, like. Is that something you guys discussed there? Did, were those guys supportive of it? Did you then share kind of your victory, so to speak, you know, overcoming some of those things through counseling? Yeah. Um, the mastermind group that I'm a part of, we do talk about those things. And I think as we've gotten to know each other over the years, now it's been seven, six, seven years with the same group of people, mm-hmm. um, which is, I'm very grateful for. And it's interesting because all of us, collectively are just huge advocates for counseling Mm -hmm. and coaching, you know? So that's one thing that I'm getting now is like hiring a coach to work with on a regular basis. And largely because someone else in the group is like, you gotta, you gotta work with a coach and they're talking and sharing their examples. So those things make a big difference. And it's the examples that someone sets that I I think matter. Um, but it, it, it takes a level of, Say you're in a mastermind group like that and it starts because, hey, a few of us meet at a conference and we're all trying to build our businesses. Um, it takes some time but also a lot of effort to have that level of vulnerability to say, hey, this is mm-hmm. what is actually going on. You know, I'm dealing with depression. I'm dealing with suicide tendencies or, you know, these things because um, everyone would be eager to help you and talk through it and all that. But it takes you being brave on that level to bring it up. And then you'll find out that like someone else in the group is feeling the same way or, you know, things like that. But it takes someone to uh, really bring it to a different, a different level. Because most of that is like on your view of what you think their reaction is going to be. Like you find out afterwards, it's like they don't really look down on you or anything because of that. It's like, hey, actually, just go over that too. Or yeah, we right. again, I can point you to this person. It's like, oh, that was just me putting that on you, what you thought were you're going to think of me when I shared that, it's a little confusing, but <laughs> yeah. Well, and another thing to keep in mind is that it's really easy to share. I went through this. This is what I learned. It's a nice little bow at the end and I don't deal with this anymore. But, yeah. <laughs> and so often people in our communities of, you know, a blogger, podcaster, et cetera, like that's our whole job is to learn something, tie it up in a nice little bow and teach it or share it with you. Mm. And so that makes it especially hard to be like, this is what I'm going through. I don't have any of the answers and eh, that's just where we're at, you know? And, and so then you're like, wait, where's the, where are the takeaways? Where's the nice ending to the blog post? And it's like, no, it's just life, you know, it's just where you're at. And so being willing to share that and, and share the journey, not just the solution or the conclusion, I think matters a lot if you want to get help and support from others. Yeah. That's a good way to end it. I think that's, that's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so Sounds much. Good. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Nathan. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, and, um, thanks for having me. Best on. of luck on ConvertKit. So ConvertKit.com is where you can find that amazing tool if you're a blogger or creator. Um, as, as spoken as a, as a user and happy to pay to, to use ConvertKit, um, I can't recommend it enough. Um, so check out Nathan. Um, I also have the everything linked up and contact stuff in the show notes. So thanks, Nathan. Thanks. You can find out more about us and sign up to receive updates at twocentdad.com. If you liked what you heard or just want to say hi, you can shoot me an email at mike at twocentdad.com. Please leave a review on iTunes if you like the show. It helps us to get the word out to the most people possible. The show is made possible through the support of EC Group International, building software teams since 1999.